0: Week three, day three, God's revelation. Hi, uh, my name is Lindsay Cavallero and I am the Cafe Four Ministry Director here at Three Crosses. This week, we've been looking at David's various responses to his difficult circumstances. Bracketing the outer psalms of this section, we've seen how David finds hope in remembering God's presence with him. Moving closer to the middle, we find that David finds assurance in his status as the anointed one of Israel. God was entirely in control. Now we move to the center core of this section between Psalms 15 and Psalm 24, and that is Psalm 19. Psalm 19, verses 1 through 3. The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech, night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the end of the world. I love this psalm. It was written in an amazingly balanced way that, in my opinion, paints a beautiful picture of God's relationship with us. In this Psalm, David responds to his difficult situations by fixing his eyes on God's revelations. Now, when you hear the word revelation in church, we're talking about the different ways that God has revealed himself to us. In this Psalm, King David looks to three different revelations to bring himself back to God. The revelation of creation, the revelation of God's law, into prayer for a new revelation that would cleanse and preserve David from sin. The first celebrates the whole universe, all of God's creation, and especially the sun, which proclaims God's glory. We see that in verses 1 through 6. The second narrows the focus a bit, celebrating God's law, God's instruction, which we see in verses 7 through 9. And the third narrows the focus to the author of the psalm and ultimately his honest struggle to keep the law, like all of us, in verses 10 through 14. We see his plea for forgiveness and his prayer to please the Lord. The first verse that David writes uses Hebrew terms similar to the ones found in the first verses of Genesis. The structure, existence, and detail of nature shout the reality of one true creator. David talks about the heavens, meaning what appears in the sky and the expanse of God's creation, starting with the day and night. The point is not only that nature looks impressive, but that he aims to highlight the actual function of the universe in order to announce the incredible design of God. The greatest example being the sun and how the earth is affected by it. The sun rises in its full strength and glory, moves across the entire sky, and sets at the opposite end of the horizon. Its warm rays touch everything on earth. We see that in Psalm 19 verses two through six. The study of the heavens has always intrigued mankind. One of my favorite activities is to stargaze. Once in a blue moon, no pun intended, I am in a place with little to no light pollution, maybe camping or on a long drive in the middle of nowhere, and it's then that I can look up into the sky and see a glimpse of even some of the brilliance that the heavens hold. When I was in middle school, my friend's dad took us out stargazing in the middle of nowhere to catch a meteor shower, and we could see. Everything. The Milky Way, the Big Dipper, dozens of shooting stars. He had a telescope that was powerful enough to look into another galaxy, a phrase that I could not even wrap my 12-year-old brain around. It was magnificent. I think I must have said wow at least a 100 times. In recent years, it's been discovered just how vast the universe actually is. There are stars that have never been found. Like, let that sink in. In the last decade, experts have discovered that there are even galaxies that we didn't even know about before. The more they search, the more stars they find. We have no way of knowing how far the universe goes. Another fact that, like, makes my head spin. We know that this little ball we call Earth is only one of tens of thousands. There are even moons and suns that are not connected with this Earth. When I think of a God that would make all that, it really humbles me, especially to remember that he knows me personally. David could never have known just how much our Creator had done. But his celebration of this fact, just within his own context and the scope of knowledge, makes me smile. In verses three through four we read, they have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them, yet their voices go out into all the earth their words travel to the ends of the world. Something like looking to the stars on a clear night surpasses cultures and language. The heavens speak in a language which is universal and intelligible to all. What a beautiful consideration of our God. As well as nature, God can be seen in the inspired word and law he gives mankind, which we see celebrated in the second section of this psalm. God reveals his law to be perfect, trustworthy, Right, radiant, pure, and true. It revives the soul, brings wisdom, creates joy in the heart, gives enlightenment, and endures forever. God's written revelation in scripture is more valuable than the finest gold and sweeter to the taste than honey. These are framed in a poetic and repeated structure, which echoes some of the book of Proverbs. God's servant finds warning and above all great reward in his written revelation, which we see in Psalm 19, seven through 11. I love David's passion for this section. Here, David abruptly changes from praising the creator God who reveals himself through creation to praising God who reveals himself through his law, his word. In Psalm 19 verses one through six, God is referred to as El, the most generic word for God in the Hebrew language. But here in Psalm 19, 7 through nine, God is referred to as Yahweh, the Lord, the God of covenant love and faithfulness to his people. David then explains seven amazing statements about how wonderful and effective the word of God is, referring to it using a variety of expressions. David goes on to describe how he has found warning and reward in his revelation. God's word gives us instruction or warning that wealth or pleasure do not give. And remember, David was a wealthy man at this point. God's word also gives benefit or reward greater than any wealth or pleasure. We serve a considerate God a God who is vast and mighty enough to hold every galaxy in his hand, but personal enough to hear our quiet prayers, know the number of hairs on our heads and sit with us individually when we choose to seek him. He has given us the tools to seek and follow his will through his word. I think people cringe at the idea of law. It's seen as a list of rules to be followed that will prevent us from living our best life. But David's actually rejoicing in this law Old Testament laws led Israel towards a way of holiness that was different from most society and was inherently good and righteous. The tension exists of finding true freedom as a result of boundaries and guidance. I think for a long time as a believer, I felt a lot of pressure about reading the Bible or the shoulds about my walk with Jesus. But honestly, there is so much freedom knowing that someone else has ultimate authority and control. Someone is in the driver's seat. And what is so incredible is the fact that God wants to be in an intimate relationship with us. He isn't a dictator that sits on the throne with no intention of connection on a personal level. He gives us his word, his law, as a way of guidance. But this isn't just a book of rules. It's a book of promises. It's a place I can go to find out how the Lord feels about me, what he desires for me, what I can ask for, how I can pray, and what he has planned for me. God knows we need the law in order to understand our place as sinners in need of salvation. But it's not just about showing us our need for salvation, it's about coming alongside of us in love as Yahweh. David has witnessed the perfection of the God-created universe and the god creative law. He is God created, but in these verses we see that he knows that he's not perfect. In verses 12 through 13, he says, But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. He sees the contrast between the rest of the created order and his own life. David concludes this psalm with prayer. He asks for deliverance from the grasp of presumptuous sin, meaning sin committed in a proud and knowing way. David added this because he knew that his problem was greater than secret faults and unknown errors. We have been given a gift for this desire for forgiveness and change, and his name is Jesus. He's the greatest revelation of all. David closes this beautiful psalm with a humble surrender of his mouth and heart to God. He asks God to accept his speech and the meditation of his heart. David not only wants to obey God, he seeks to please him in words and thoughts as well. David addresses God as Lord, Rock, and Redeemer, understanding fully his need to be rescued. This final verse has served as a model, not only for prayer, but also for songs of praise for much of Christian history, and that we see that in verses 12 through 14. This psalm is a beautiful illustration of recognizing the glory of God's creation and the glory of his written word. Next to these great things, David realizes he is a small sinner, and so are we. However, we have an amazing truth to cling to. What David was looking for, we now have in Jesus. We have God's ultimate revelation, God in the flesh. The glorious God of creation and law is also the glorious God of personal relationship and redemption for his people. So will you tune your ears and your hearts to see him? Psalm 19.14 says, May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So I have a challenge for you this week. Pray through Psalm 19 today. Throughout this series, try looking for God in all three of his different revelations, through nature, through his word, and through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. As you do this, pay attention to how a renewed focus on these things changes the way you approach your most difficult circumstances.